Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of courage to be curious. And this month in September, we are talking about the Niyama of Tapas. The Niyamas, as we remember, are the practices and principles of yoga that help us to really reflect and refine ourselves. They're inward facing and they're relational to us. <clears throat> and tapas, in last week's episode, we talked about tapas literally meaning heat and burning off, like it's the burning away of what no longer serves. <clears throat> tapas is typically translated as self-discipline. And so self-discipline is like, what are the practices? What are the ways that we condition ourselves to withstand whatever the discomforts might be or the temptations might be for short-term gratification or immediate comfort so that we can arrive at something further down the road that has greater value and meaning to us. And so last time we talked about what is tapas. And so in today's episode, I wanted to talk about what are the practices of tapas? How do we practice this sense of discipline. And, you know, the sense of discipline, if we think about it, is really this notion that we are delaying something in the short term. We are resisting a temptation. We are withstanding something in a not, and not becoming reactive to it because there's something else that has greater value for us. There's either a longer term gain or there's a value that we want to uphold or a way of being that we want to be aligned with. And although life will continue to throw things at us all of the time, I mean, the niyamas, the yamas, yoga, meditation, none of those things are going to eliminate challenges from our life. I think sometimes we live under that happy illusion that if we meditate enough, we can keep any difficult things from falling into our path. But that's not what it's about. Life is always going to put things in our path, whatever those challenges might be. And the purpose of spiritual practice is to be able to give us the conditioning to meet those things in a way that's aligned with who we want to be, aligned with the greatest good, and in a way that enables us to be the person that we want to be in the world. And so it's like, I'm just going to pause there because, right, it's a lot to take in, you know, and we can all, I, I do, I love this idea. Well, if I do all of these things, then I'm going to prevent bad things from happening. If I, you know, set all the right intentions, if I meditate enough, if I have my good deeds, if I practice my gratitude, can I keep my universe pristine and beautiful and comfortable? And, you know, that's the illusion. <laughs> and that's the illusion and that's the dream. It's never going to be that way. And that's not, and it's actually... You know, to use a pretty, you know, harsh word, it's the bastardization, right, of, you know, spiritual practice. Our intention behind spiritual practice is to condition us and give us the fortitude to meet whatever arrives in a way that is aligned with our highest good, with greatest good, with our principles and beliefs and values. And so, you know, that's what we're really talking about when we talk about tapas. And the reverse of the alternative to that is what, right? The alternative to that, we've talked about a few times on different episodes, is reactivity, is impulse, is hiding from things and running from things, numbing things. So we can numb things with food, with alcohol, with um, drugs, with over shopping, 
with overeating, with um, even overexercising, we can try to numb our way through, or numb ourselves from any discomfort that arrives our way. My daughter even pointed out it was really lovely how she pointed out that, you know, numbing can even come in the or masking things can even come in the form of talking too much. You know, like the people who fill every space with something to say so that nobody could ask them a question that might feel vulnerable or that nothing could be raised in conversation that might feel difficult. And so our masking, our numbing, our escaping can show up in so many different ways. And I think part of our spiritual work is to ask ourselves, how do we do it? (laughs) You know, what's our poison um, that we choose? And chances are we have multiple ones. You know, is our TV entertainment or is it an escape? Is our, you know, habit of drinking that glass of wine, is it because we enjoy it and it's beautiful or is it a way of having to forget, being able to forget about or not think about things we want to think about? So part of spiritual practice is asking ourselves these critical questions. So the tapas is the self-discipline to enable us as I said, to be in the space of whatever confronts us and be able to have the, and to have the fortitude to be able to navigate it well. And I'm not proposing this by any stretch of the imagination, but Deborah Adele puts out there to us the practice of some, you know, really very spiritually devout, um, I don't know if they're monks, but spiritual devotees. And the, one of the things that they do as a form of tapas, of literally preparing themselves to be unshaken by the world, like undisturbed and unrattled by whatever the world could place in front of them, is they have two practices. And one is that in the wintertime, they sit with just like a loincloth and they rig so that buckets of cold water will pour down their backs, their naked backs, for three hours a day for 45 days. Now, I don't even like to get into a cold swimming pool. So like just imagining what that could be like. And then in the wintertime or in the summertime, they set up, they set themselves in the center of a ring of little fires and with a vessel on top of their head, another fire lit so that they're literally surrounded by fire in the heat of the summer for three hours a day for 45 days. So One could imagine, and I'm not suggesting any of us try this at home, and I can guarantee you that I am not trying this at home, but one could imagine that anybody who could withstand that level of discomfort over that length of period of time, the three hours for 45 days, two seasons a year, would be so unshakable and so undisturbed by whether that was a sense of failure or a sense of shame or, you know, not being liked or even, you know, an injury or something else, things that cause us that discomfort. It's amazing how small the things can be that can stimulate so much discomfort in us and generate a sense of anger, of shame, of fear, of, you know, just and and the impulse to want to run or hide or fight or things like that. It's such a small thing. And so the idea of the practice is to create a steadiness inside such that these influences would not shake us from our steady place. 
Okay, well, that's those spiritual devotees, and the rest of us are pretty human. So we're probably not going to get to that a level that we could, might even be able to imagine. But it is the function of tapas. And the function of tapas is really to give us the tools and to think about the practices to ever more conditioning ourselves to have a fortitude, whether you know it's we have an illness and to withstand the have the fortitude to navigate through that illness. For me, even being in a hospital room or even sitting with someone else in a hospital room with all the beepings and this and that, like I need a fortitude for that because that's something that rattles me. You know, having somebody criticize us, of having somebody belittle us, of feeling shame about something, about, you know, feeling um, put down in any kind of, in any number of ways. Like there are so many things out there or having our schedules thrown off track. I mean, for God's sake, right? In the grand scheme of the world, but like every single day, most of us get rattled in some way when our schedule is thrown off track or someone doesn't show up on time or something falls through or something doesn't go as planned. And that alone is enough to rattle most of us out of a calm state or out of a, you know, kind of focused state into one where we're, we're kind of rattled and shaken a little bit and thrown off course. So the purpose of tapas is to have practices that we build into our everyday living that enable us to strengthen this muscle, strengthen this muscle of discipline and of withstanding. So what is a practice and, and you know, what could it be? So the truth is that a practice could be anything. Your tapas practice could be gardening if you're a gardener and going out and tending your garden every day. And some days you want to tend it, and some days you don't want to tend it. Some days the weeds are frustrating. Sometimes the blossoms are beautiful. But you tend it anyway. That can be a tapas. For athletes, you know, who practice, and practice when they're tired, and practice when they don't feel well, and practice when they are enjoying it, and practice it when they're not enjoying it, that's a tapas. Because it's building that fortitude. Some of the practices that are in my life, Right. So I want first I wanted to put out this idea that a tapas could come in almost any form. It's a matter of is it cultivating that conditioning in ourselves? So it doesn't have to look like one of these forms. I know that I can have like, all right, these kind of like, you know, meditation yogi things, but you know, I really want to put out there that tapas could come in in look in many different ways as long as that is the intention that we have and the way that we practice it. So yoga. And when I think of yoga as a practice of tapas for me, I don't, I don't think of it as every day, like, oh my gosh, if I don't do my yoga, I didn't practice my, you know, I didn't exercise my tapas today. But more what happens in yoga is that anyone who's taken particularly like a hatha yoga class um, where the poses are held for a longer period of time rather than a vinyasa where we move very quickly is that when you're holding a pose and then your muscle starts to burn, and all you want to do is move, like straighten your leg or bend in another direction or release the pose. And you hold that pose for just a little bit longer. That you take a few more breaths. And the beautiful thing is in yoga, the instruction, right, is if your muscle starts to burn, is that's when you draw your attention away from your body, perhaps away from your alignment per se, not that you're going to become unaligned, but and you focus it on your breath. Because the idea is, is that if we allow ourselves to draw our attention from the pain to the breath, 
we will have we will be able to persist whether it's for another few seconds another few breaths maybe another 10 breaths maybe another 20 seconds that we're training ourselves to realize that we have resources within us that enable us to be uncomfortable and even in pain and to withstand it to not have to succumb to every version of discomfort that we're faced with. So in this way, our yoga becomes a spiritual practice, it becomes a practice of tapas. That when we feel that need, that urge to let go, to release, to move, whatever, can we stay with it just a little bit longer? I think breathing in general is one of the most amazing tools that we have to support our practice of tapas. Because whether it's yoga or whether it's athletic training, or whether it is being in an uncomfortable situation, the one thing we always have is breath. That can we divert our attention from the thing causing the discomfort and focus on our breath. And in that way, I mean, I love it. It's one of my primary resources, go-to places for um, practicing and cultivating the, my capacity for tapas. So what are some of the others? Another one of the practices that I think often gets out there in the spiritual world is journaling. But I want to talk about journaling a little bit because journaling is not necessarily just by itself the act of it, you know, either a tapas or even a helpful thing all of the time. I remember when I was a teenager and the kinds of diaries that we would keep would be like these massive like, you know, monologues of what has happened, what is happening going on in the world that is tormenting, you know, me from every direction. So what is my mom doing? What are these friends doing? And, you know, what are all of these horrible things? And it became a place just to vomit up all of the negative stuff that was going on in the world that you wished you could say out loud, but you didn't. And as a teenager, I presume that serves some sort of purpose. Um, but is that really a practice of tapas? Well, in fact, what happens a lot of times with that kind of journaling is where I just sort of like regurgitate or, or vomit up all of the difficult stuff that's going on is that we actually keep ourselves perseverating on it more. It doesn't burn away the bad stuff as much as it can oftentimes keep us reeling around it. So what is the journal? So the journaling that I practice really comes in a couple of forms. So the first form of journaling that I use as a practice of tapas is that when I am uncomfortable or when I'm rattled or when I notice that uneasy feeling, and sometimes I can't even identify exactly what it's tied to, this is where I'll go to my journal and not surprisingly, my journal will usually, entry will begin with a question. What is it that's making me feel so uncomfortable here? Or, you know, it'll identify what's going on and saying, why is this so painful right now? And it will be a practice of inviting my own inquiry into self to go deeper, to find out what's really going on here, not to play the blame game and to rail on or tear apart other people who've been involved in whatever the story has been, but actually to go deeper within myself. And in that way, it helps me to burn away all the trivial stories that I could be telling about how I'm feeling um, or what happened to me and really get to something that's more meaningful burn away the stuff that's irrelevant and get to the stuff that is purposeful. Another way that I use my journaling as a practice of tapas is, you know, to focus it on gratitude or on, you know, a place of acknowledging what is good in the world, what is good in my life and what is good in the world. 
as you've been listening to me over periods of time, you know that I talk a lot about the mind defaults to the negative. We tend to default to judgment. We tend to default to what went wrong. It almost doesn't matter how long I've been coaching someone or how long I've had a client, but what's very common is when I ask them, how are things and how are they doing? Nine times out of 10, maybe even nine and a half times out of 10, they will start with the negative. Here's the thing that happened. And so, and it almost doesn't matter how many times I've said, let's start with something good. They may start with something good that time. And then the next time they'll begin with something that was the negative or the hard thing. So we have like this default setting in our human system that pulls us toward the negative. And so for me, a spiritual practice is what are the tools? What are the ways that we draw our tension, our mind, our spirit back to the positive? Because in almost any given day where something negative might be happening, so many blessed and beautiful things are happening as well. I remember reading an amazing Facebook post by one of my dear friends who was in the hospital. You know, I think it was kidney stones, which are incredibly painful. And what she focused on in her Facebook post was the amazing staff who were at the hospital, the way in which she witnessed their compassion toward other people, you know, playing out in the hospital. Like, you know, in, in every moment, right? Even in the moment, you know, where you're overtaken by the pain of something like kidney stones, there were still blessings to find and beautiful things to see. And it becomes, what do we choose to focus on? Tapas, practicing the disciplines, helps us to make a choice, have the capacity to choose to focus on the blessings rather than to only focus on the negatives, which is the default setting. One other benefit that I want to talk about in relationship to tapas is like, where does it come in useful? So I used to be the kind of person who, as soon as a discussion or situation would get a little sticky, <laughs> I'd be looking for the exit, right? And I know I'm not the only one out there. How many of us really like to stick around in uncomfortable situations or uncomfortable conversations? The answer is some of us, you know, some of us like that and enjoy that. For some people, it almost becomes a game. Many of us don't. Many of us, the moment that a conversation hits an uncomfortable place um, or a situation becomes uncomfortable, we look, how, where can we run? Where can we hide? How can we extract ourselves from it? Or how can we just placate and appease enough to make the discomfort go away? And yet it's really amazing, but the greatest miracles that I ever hear my clients talk about are when they stuck with the thing just a little bit longer than usual. So they stayed in that difficult conversation just a few moments more than they usually did, or they asked a question, one more question than they normally would have thought to ask. They decided to keep steady in their seat rather than bolting. And that's when the miracles happened. And it takes a practice of tapas for us to do that. Our biological wiring tells us to run and hide or tells us to get aggressive and fight back. Tapas is the gift that we get by being human to have the capacity to cultivate our fortitude, cultivate our ability to withstand the discomfort, to withstand the heat or the extreme cold, whatever it might be. So that, so that why? So what, what do we have on the other side? So that we can choose to live in alignment with our greatest self with our greatest good, 
that we can feel confident in our ability to navigate the world, to meet what the world has to offer, to have the ability to choose in life rather than feel as though we are at the effect of the circumstances of life. Does it promise happiness all the time? Of course not. Does it promise that only good things will ever happen? Of course not. What it promises, what the promise of a life kind of with it, where we've cultivated a sense of tapas and we've cultivated the fortitude through tapas is that whatever life presents us with, that we can withstand it, we can remain steady in who we are and how we want to show up in the world. And to me, that's a pretty good thing to arrive to on the other side. So this is the invitation is to, you know, get curious about your own practices of tapas. Get practices about, get curious about what practices you have or you might like to have to help you build those fortitude, that fortitude. And get curious about the ways in which you escape, the ways in which, you know, right now maybe you don't have the strength and what do you resort to when you don't? You know, do you eat? Do you smoke? Do you, you know, chat up, you know, people? Do you get aggressive? Do you, you know, go to sleep? What are, what are the things you do to escape the realities? And then what are the things that you do to build up your strength and resilience to withstand them and to be able to navigate in a way that feels whole? So this is the invitation for the week, and we will be back next week with another episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant with our focus in the month of September on tapas. And I hope you will join us then.